Hey everyone, this is Chad Harms, and I'm the pastor of Creekside Bible Church. Thanks for taking some time to listen to my latest sermon. It will play in just a minute, but before it does, I want to ask you to do something that I think is really important. In this sermon, I'm preaching on Jesus appearing to someone after he died and came back to life, and how that appearance changed the person's life forever. While I hope that all of my sermons are impactful, I think that this one can be particularly valuable because it shows how belief in Jesus his death and resurrection can change lives. It can bring peace from our inner struggles, reconciliation with our enemies, forgiveness from our guilt, purpose that goes beyond our circumstances and our lives, and life that goes beyond death. It brings hope to the hopeless, forgiveness to the guilty, and worship to the doubter. It's a big deal. So here's what I'm asking you to do. Can you think of someone that needs what belief in Jesus, his death and resurrection has to offer and share it with them? I know that that is kind of a big request, but belief in Jesus changed my life in such a wonderful and profound way, and I want others to have that same experience. I hope you're the same. I think, or at least hope, that this sermon can be used by God to make that happen, so please share it with someone. Again, thanks for listening. I hope that this sermon will help you to learn and live more fully for the glory of God. I also hope it will be used by God to change the life of someone you know. Hey everyone, my name is Chad. I'm the pastor of Creekside. And uh, while you're watching this, I'm actually hanging out with a bunch of college students at Camp Topawingo. And I'm doing that because I was invited to preach at an event called Sprummer. I decided to preach on a topic that I'm calling Finding Truth in a Fraudulent World. All of the sermons that I'm preaching this weekend are coming out of the book of John. And if you know, if you've been around for a while, then you do know that I have been preaching through John at our church since October. I know what you're wondering, but no, I am not just reusing old sermons for this camp, but I am teaching something that's come out of what I have learned over the last eight months preaching the gospel of John. And and the reality is I've learned so much. I hope that if you've been around, you've learned a lot too. I feel like I know the book of John so much better than I did last summer. And that's one of the reasons that I'm sad not to be with you for this last sermon in the book. But it's also one of the reasons that I wanted to preach this last sermon, uh, even though I had to do it uh, as a recording. Uh, I want to share in this sermon today one final story in the book of John, the final story in the book of John. But I also want to bring to our attention some of the incredible things that we've learned as we've moved through this amazing story of Jesus' life. Uh, Today we do have one final story, as I mentioned, and it's an important final story because it kind of wraps up or ties a bow on uh, one of the storylines that that we've seen in this book. Have you ever watched a movie and it it kind of brings up these side issues as it goes, and, and, and it can leave you know one of these side issues just hanging out there, and, and the movie finishes, and you go, well, what happened to that one guy, or how did that one thing work out? But thankfully, one of those kind of side storylines in the book of John does get a conclusion, and that is the story of Peter. Peter's been one of the main characters throughout the gospel. Jesus is the main character, but Peter has been one of the key side characters or supporting characters in this gospel, the gospel 
of John. And, and we saw that in the life of Peter, there's this tragic moment where Jesus is arrested and Peter, instead of following Jesus or staying with Jesus, he abandons Jesus and denies knowing Jesus at all. And last week, Matt preached about how Peter sees Jesus on a shoreline and he jumps in and he swims to him and Matt called you to also get out of the boat. But there's this lingering question that if you're really paying attention to the book, it just kind of hangs over the, the ending. Like, what happened to Peter? Like, what did Jesus say to Peter? How did Jesus and Peter get along after this? And even like, did Jesus know about this or care to address it? And all of those questions are addressed in the story that we are going to look at today. In fact, as I read this passage of scripture to you, it is very important that you have as a backdrop for this, the denial of Peter. And so I'll just want to iterate that after Jesus was arrested, Peter denied even knowing Jesus. And he did that three times and he did it think this is really important, standing next to a fire in a courtyard. And here we encounter Peter again, standing at a fire along a shore this time. And with that in mind, we read this. When they had finished eating, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? Yes, Lord, he said, you know that I love you. Jesus said, feed my lambs. Again, Jesus said, Simon, son of John, do you love me? He answered, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Jesus said, take care of my sheep. The third time he said to him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was hurt because Jesus asked him the third time, do you love me? He said, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. Jesus said, feed my sheep. It seems to some that Peter was like under a cloud with the other disciples after his denial, that perhaps there was tension in his relationship with the others. And that may be a backdrop for this story. And it also seems that Peter needs to be confronted with what he has done in order that he can move on from what he has done, denying Jesus. And I mean that in a variety of ways that we will touch on as we move through this passage of scripture. But first, let me just point out that Jesus asked this question here, and it's a really interesting question, but also a question that, that feels kind of awkward. Peter is asked by Jesus, do you love me more than these? And there's a few ways that we can understand that question, but it probably means, do you love me more than the other disciples love me? And you have to wonder, like, why is Jesus asking this question that would have made, I think, everybody there at this meal feel really uncomfortable and uh, the simple answer to that is probably that Peter needed to be reconciled in some way to the other disciples. Peter had really boldly and uh, you know brashly declared that even if all the other guys, even if all of uh, Jesus' other friends and followers fell away, didn't follow Jesus, weren't there for him in the end, he would stand firm but then he hadn't. And so you have to wonder what that does to his relationship with these other people. And so Jesus, I think, asked this question in part in this awkward way in order to break the wall of tension, in order to reconcile Peter to these other disciples. And so he asked this question and 
you have to think of it through the lens of Peter, who's standing there in this really uncomfortable moment. Like, how is Peter going to answer this? Do you love me more than these other guys love me? And I think Peter does a great job of answering this, but what an awkward moment for him. And, and, and you know, he doesn't act as arrogantly as maybe he had earlier in the book of John. Instead, he, he just says, yes, Lord. But then he says, you know that I love you. He, he relies on, he falls back on the knowledge of Jesus. So he affirmatively answers the question, but at the same time, he doesn't answer it in an arrogant way. At least it doesn't seem that way to me. And you have to think about Peter's emotion. I mean, here he is being asked this question, and he obviously doesn't want to say, no, no, I don't love you as much as those guys, or I love you less than those guys. That's a, that's a, a terrible thing to say about this person that he does love. But also he knows his incredible sin and the way he denied Jesus and and all of the guilt that he's feeling and all of that. And so he says yes, but he also falls back on the knowledge of Jesus. And so in this moment, we begin to see Jesus reconciling. Why don't you get that in your heads? Reconciling Jesus to the other disciples. But he also in this moment is offering Peter forgiveness and closure on what he has done. D.A. Carson says, Jesus' initial question probes Peter to the depth of his being. He is forcing Peter to look inside of himself. And I think in allowing Peter to answer this question positively with a yes, he's reminding Peter that despite this incredible egregious sin that he has committed, that he does, in fact, love Jesus still. The New American Commentary focuses us, our attention on the fact that Jesus, if you were paying attention, he doesn't ask the question one time, he asks the question three times, and here's what the New American Commentary says. This triple affirmation, accompanied as it was by a triple commission from Jesus, must have had the effect of giving an almost official sanction to his restoration to his rightful place of leadership. And so Jesus here in this moment is both, both reconciling Peter back to with the other disciples, but also he is offering Jesus reconciliation to himself and forgiveness. In doing this, in asking this question three times, he really forces Peter to learn a hard lesson. A hard lesson about his fragility, a hard lesson about not being arrogant, but also I think a hard lesson about his need for the grace that Jesus is offering him. Now on this third question, the third time Jesus asked this, we read that Peter mourns, that he's sad, that it breaks his heart that Jesus would ask him this a third time. And uh, We can make some guesses about why that third question affected Peter emotionally, but we really don't know the answer. But it seems that it strikes Peter in a different way than the first two times the question is asked. In fact, I think that it strikes Peter in the way that Jesus has intended to strike Peter. He is calling Peter to recognize what he has done, but he is also calling Peter to recognize that he is forgiven. This is a moment of reconciliation and forgiveness. Now, we may wonder, like, does Peter 
actually accept this forgiveness? Does this have any impact? And the, the short answer is absolutely yes. This moment matters. How, how do we know that? Well, because we know the story of what happens to Peter through the book of Acts. Peter uh, becomes a, a great preacher for Jesus. Peter is there at Pentecost and really the first sermon that's delivered after Jesus' ascension into heaven. Peter becomes a powerful force in the early church, a leader in the early church, and a, a person willing to suffer for Jesus. This moment matters because it changes his life. But also we know that this moment matters because of what Peter actually says. Uh, Peter writes a couple of books in the New Testament. They're called First and Second Peter. And in First Peter 5.2, he uses very similar language to what Jesus has said here in this appearance story. Here's what it says. Be shepherds of God's flock that is under your care, watching over them. He goes on to talk really about how we should not serve because of compulsion, but because of our care for other people. And, and that's exactly what Jesus is doing here in this story as well. Jesus is showing Peter that love of him should drive his ministry. You see, in this moment, as Jesus says, feed my sheep, take care of my sheep, feed my sheep, Jesus is commissioning Peter to do a new work, to have a new purpose in life. And so Jesus begins with, do you love me? I think we have this backwards far too often. Often we, we serve because we're supposed to. We serve, and that's, you know, we are, but we serve because somebody told us to, because there's needs. But service of Jesus should start with our love for Jesus. So in this story, this appearance story, the final appearance story uh, of Jesus after his resurrection in the book of John, we see that Jesus comes to Peter, talks to Peter, and he does three things for him. He reconciles him to others, he offers him forgiveness, and he commissions him for a new purpose, or new work. The resurrection of Jesus can do all of those things for us as well. Jesus can reconcile us to people that we never thought we could be reconciled with. Jesus brings us forgiveness for our sins and erases the shame and the embarrassment that surrounds those past sins. And Jesus resurrection gives us a new and better purpose for our lives. And it would be hard, I think, to, to read through the story and, of Jesus post-resurrection in the book of John and, and to miss that because, not because it would be easy to skip over, but because we would miss so much. If the story of Peter is not tied up, it leaves him out there, you know, and we wonder, like, what happens? What does Jesus do to change his life? But here we see what happens. Jesus reconciles him to others, forgives him for his sins, and commissions him for a new purpose. Now, the story continues, and here's what is said. John 21, 18 through 23. Very truly, I tell you, when you were younger, you dressed yourself and went where you wanted 
But when you are old, you will stretch out your hands and someone else will dress you and lead you where you do not want to go. Jesus said this to indicate the type of death which Peter would glorify God. Then he said to him, follow me. Peter turned and saw that the disciple whom Jesus loved was following him or following them. This was the one who had leaned back against Jesus at the supper and said, Lord, who is going to betray you? When Peter saw him, he asked, Lord, what about him? Jesus answered, if I want him to remain alive until I return, what is that to you? You must follow me. Because of this, the rumor spread among the believers that this disciple would not die. But Jesus did not say that he would not die. He only said, if I want him to remain alive until I return, what is that to you? Now, here Jesus predicts Peter's martyrdom. He predicts that Jesus, uh, excuse me, that Peter will die for his faith, for loving and serving Jesus. That's probably something he feared when he denied Jesus, but eventually that is exactly what would happen to Peter. And I'm going to talk about that more in a second. But first, I want to point out at the ending, uh, the ending. Peter looks at this other disciple, the disciple that Jesus loved, and he's like, was well, he going to die too? And I don't want to say much about this, but Jesus says, hey, that's not for you to know. I don't, I'm not going to tell you that. And, and he asks, well, why is that story in there? And if there's any application for us, I, I think it's this, this afternoon. It's simply that we are called to serve Jesus in different ways. Some will not suffer and some will suffer. We must do what God has called us to do. But I want to skip forward and talk more about this, this denial of uh, or this uh, martyrdom of Peter. Uh, history tells us that Jesus is right, that Peter is in fact killed for his faith. When Jesus says that his uh, hands would be stretched out, that Peter's hands would be stretched out, it's probably a reference to Peter being crucified. And history tells us that he was crucified. In fact, history tells us that he refused to be crucified right side up, but rather he chose to be crucified upside down because he did not want to be killed in the same way as Jesus. He did not feel worthy to be killed in the same way as Jesus. He was died on an upside down cross. I think a big part of the reason that Peter was willing to suffer in that way specifically is because he recognized how the resurrection of Jesus had changed his life. He had reconciliation, he had forgiveness, and he had a new purpose, and so he was willing to die for Jesus, and he was unwilling to die in the same way of Jesus as Jesus because he did not feel worthy. I was at Jamba Juice several years ago, and I saw this girl with an upside-down cross on her, on her arm, and I said, hey, do you know what that, that cross means? Do you know where that comes from? And she said, yeah, that's the cross of Peter. I was like, do you know the story behind that? And she said, yeah, he, he uh, just didn't feel worthy to die in the same way of Jesus, and, and, and so he chose to die on an upside-down cross. And I said, oh, that's awesome. You must be a Christian. And she said, no, I'm not. And that was kind of the end of our conversation. She walked out. It wasn't awkward or anything, but, but that was the end. And it amazes me that somebody could know that story and be so flippant feeling about the question, are you a Christian? Because I believe in the story of Peter, we have such an incredibly profound change in a person's life 
that it should compel us to at least take seriously the question, what happened to that man? I'll tell you what the Bible tells us happened. The Bible tells us that Peter denied Jesus three times. Then he saw Jesus resurrected. And out of that story, what happens here in our story, seeing the resurrected Jesus, having this conversation with Jesus, Peter is sold out once again for Jesus. And so what he does is he spends the rest of his life leading the church, telling people about Jesus, doing miracles in Jesus' name, refusing to stop preaching about Jesus, even when he's arrested and beaten, and then dying for Jesus. It's all it's all according to the gospel writers, the ones who were there to witness what happened in Peter's life. It's all, it's all because, it's all because Jesus rose from the grave and appeared to Peter. You may not have noticed, but in the, in the middle of the two big sections of scripture I read, there's this one phrase, follow me. Jesus calls Peter to follow him. D.A. Carson said, these words invite every waverer, every reader to the same steadfast pursuit of the risen Lord. This is really the call of the entire book of John to follow Jesus. We are invited to experience what Peter experienced. He went from denying Jesus, rejecting Jesus, and suffering from the sadness and the guilt and the shame that that brought upon him to being forgiven and reconciled and given a new purpose. Peter chose to be obedient to Jesus. He did follow him. And out of that, he received all of these benefits and a lot more. And we are invited to follow Jesus and receive those same benefits. In many ways, John leads us, I think, to, to follow Jesus. But he does that by telling us who Jesus is. Because we never want to follow somebody that we don't know, that we don't trust, that isn't worth following. And the entirety of the book of John is written so that we might know who Jesus is. And so I want to review what we've seen as we've worked through this book in the last several months. Way back in October, I preached a series called The Word. And in that series, we received this high Christology from the book of John. The author tells us that Jesus is the uncreated creator of all that has been created. In other words, he created everything that is and nothing that has been created was created without him. He is God in human form. And so in that first part of John, we see who Jesus is. And then I did a series called First Impressions. And then those stories, we, we encounter all these people who meet Jesus and they're amazed by him and they're baffled by him and they're drawn to him and they tell others about him. They are simply amazed by who Jesus is. And in those stories, we're invited to do the same thing. John tells us who Jesus is first, and then he invites us to be amazed by who Jesus is next. Following that, I did a series called Signs, Speeches, and Spite. And in those stories, we read about Jesus doing these incredible miracles and teaching these incredible things. And it forces people to make a decision about who Jesus is. Some love him, choose to follow him, are enamored by him, recognize him as the Messiah, and others, they hate his guts. 
because of the things that he does and says. And in that series, I think we were invited in many ways to decide who we think Jesus is. After that, there's a section where uh, Jesus invests in his disciples at the final supper. I did a series called Disciples and Jesus talks to his disciples. He, he encourages them and he warns them and he prophesies and, uh, and he, he, he just tells them these things that they need to know before he suffers and dies and rises again and ascends into heaven. And he prays for them. And I think in that, that story of Jesus' last supper, the farewell discourse, it invites all of us to live in response to who Jesus is. And then in the next section, I preached a series called Passion. And there we read of Jesus being arrested and tried and beaten and tried again and tortured and then crucified. And I think John leads us to that place as he moves us through this book because he, he shows us that who Jesus is allowed for Jesus to do what Jesus did, and that is to die for our sins. And finally, in the series we're finishing today, Appearances, we see Jesus come back from the dead and he appears to many, many people. It finishes the story for us and it tells us that Jesus is who he was and he always will be who he is. And then there's Peter. He understood a little of who Jesus was, but still he abandoned him and disowned him and rejected him and denied him. Jesus died for that and he came back to life so that you and me and the world and Peter could be forgiven, reconciled, and given a new purpose. And Peter follows him and we too should choose to follow Jesus. We have rejected him, we have denied him, we have sinned against him. But as we complete this story, God is calling us to follow him. Follow him because we know who he is. He is the Messiah, the Son of God. Let me pray that you'll follow Jesus. Lord Jesus, I thank you for this wonderful book called John. It's been incredible to study through it and to learn more about who you are. As I said at the beginning, God, when we started this journey through this book, often I focus on just what you did and not who you are, and I feel so good about knowing more, just knowing you more, Lord. And I pray that as we know you more, God, that some, Lord, would choose to follow you for the first time, and others of us who followed you a long time ago, Lord, would choose to follow you more closely. God, use this time that we have spent studying the book of John to remind us that you are the Messiah, the Savior, the Son of God, and to help us follow you more closely. I pray all of these things in Jesus' name. Amen.